Welcome to Standout Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness. My name's Ali Hill, and as a psychologist, I love asking people questions. And I thought, what better way to do this than to get the people I admire into a studio to share their stories. This podcast is our corner of the world where all of us can dive deep into what it takes to live a standout life. Spending time laughing with your best friend is one of the best antidotes to a busy life. Sharing these conversations on a public stage, though, is a whole other level. Today's guests do just that on a daily basis, and we're glad that they do. Lise and Sarah are known as those two girls, and their trajectory into a media career is a story worth listening to. They currently host a national radio slot between 5 and 6am on Hit FM, as well as running their own events. Together, they walk that line between smart, self-deprecating and irreverent. Listening to Lise and Sarah is like having a cuppa with the girls next door who regularly laugh at their own jokes. And our chat was no different. In this episode, they share an insight into what got them into their current career. They talk about the business behind their friendship and how their mantra is, well, let's just have a crack. You're going to love this episode and love the insights into the conversation behind Lise and Sarah's friendship as well as their success story. So sit back and soak up all that is Lise and Sarah. Sarah and Lise, welcome to the studio. This is kind of my first time of having two guests and uh, I think we're ready to (laughs) get into it. We are. Are you ready for it though, Ali? I'm totally (laughs) ready for it. Totally ready for it. You've had an incredible journey through, and that's that crap kind of reality TV word, sorry to use straight up, but that the experience of kind of what you've crafted and created. And starting this year, your segment on Hit FM is now nationally syndicated all around Australia. Mm -hmm. It's national. Can you describe for me what it was like after that first segment where you'd actually finished the segment and you knew that that was the first one that's now gone national? What was that like? So the show that we do is 5 to 6 a.m. So we have an hour of live radio, which isn't a huge amount, but, you know, your feet are madly peddling under the water like dunks. Um, I think we were... Did you say like ducks or like dunks? Like ducks. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, what's I a dunk? I think we were nervous as hell. The first show wasn't a slam dunk, I'll tell you that no, much. No, the first show was pretty average. In fact, I went straight into AM mode yes. and, and was like, hello, hello, I'm Sarah. <laughs> this is Liz. It was a write-off. We were so nervous and we were trying not to let the other one know as much, I suppose. And then our producers started taking the mickey out of what we'd done in that first show. Yeah, which always helps. Because right? we were just, <laughs> well, oh, we'd been what's given, our sound? We'd been given so many rules that now that you're national, you can't say where you are. You can't say that you girls are from Brisbane. You can't mention the temperature because if it's warm here, it's probably not down south. You can't mention any traffic delays. So we had all of these rules buzzing around our own minds and kind of forgot to be ourselves uh, for that first show. But whatever, we did what we do best and we brush it off. But as far as actually rolling a national show out, it 
like I well up if I think about it too much. Well, that's what much I was going to bring up next. Lisa's chagrin. Sarah's a crier and well, it annoys not, the crap out of me. I'm not really a crier. It's just that I think that what we have done since we, we partnered up. Oh, God, here I go. <laughs> no, what we've done since we partnered up together is it just amazes me sometimes. And I mean that in a very um, matter-of-fact, non-up-myself way. Yeah. But when I think of what my life was like a few years ago to what I'm doing now with Lees, a woman who I only met four years ago, it it just, sometimes it just leaves me a bit gobsmacked. Yeah, it does blow your mind. And in those moments of rolling out your first segment on a nationally syndicated show, you do tend to have a bit of a retrospective and, you know, that... that uh, that music plays in your mind of memory. <laughs> How the hell am I here? Yeah. That, that kind of vibe. So let's is... go there. What did it mean for you? Oh, it's, no. a, it's a dream. It's a dream come true because it's a vision that I had when Sarah, six months, four months after yeah. Sarah and I met, I had this bizarre daydream which sounds completely just unlike me because I'm very grounded, very black and white in a lot of things. But I had a daydream (laughs) that Sarah and I were holding microphones and I had no idea what it meant, but it was so strong in my mind. I called Sarah and I said, I've had this stupid daydream. This is what, this is what it is. What do you reckon? And Sarah didn't even skip a beat. She was like, let's do it. Yeah. I said, do what? I don't yeah. know what we're doing. And that was the beginning of um, of everything, really. So to be in a radio studio with two mics in front of us broadcasting to the entire country on a network that has been such a massive part of our lives mm-hmm. through, After you know... After only a year of... Actual radio experience. (laughs) Yeah, weekend breakfast, two hours a week radio. It was a bit of a pinch me moment. Yeah, we don't really know how the hell we got here, really. Mm. Well, we kind of do. We worked really, really hard. Yeah. It just happened. It all happened very quickly. True. Mm. Which is that realisation that that your world absolutely can change in in a very short amount of time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but don't you think that happens for a lot of women in their 30s where I think they've been working in their chosen career or the career they thought they would do out of university. They've maybe been in it for 10, 12 years. They've had kids and they're like, I actually don't want to go back to that. And then you find... We hear those stories all the time, don't we, Lise? Are women who've had totally different... um, done 180s with their life and have gone on to do other things. Remember you saw a psychic, Lise, and she said your womb <laughs> chakra was blocked because yeah. that's where your creativity comes from. I mean, I had an incompetent I... cervix. It was probably that, but she was referring yes. to. And I was I on bed rest. a good talking to. <laughs> I was on bed rest for the latter half of my pregnancy. Yeah. So She unblocked your womb <laughs> because apparently creativity comes from that area in a woman. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said. I think when I think of Sarah and I and what we're doing, the word flow comes to mind. And I remember studying at a uni alley, but I can't remember exactly, but it's something about uh, when two parts of your life join and then everything just works. Every, you get yeses from everywhere. You get uh, creative energy out the wazoo. All of everything seems to channel and work for you, and the universe is just like, go forth. So that's, don't you feel? Yeah, I think the timing with everything to do with us that we have done is perfect in society right now, because when we look at, when we met all the things that we had in common, and all those times in our life when our paths could have crossed, Mm. in our early teen years at uni, early 20s, 
and mm-hmm. they never, ever did. The number of friends or contacts that we yeah. had in common, and they never did until we were 33 years old. Yes. And we just, it was like, um, it was like a sparks flew. Yes. That's kind of what we liken it to mm. without... Yeah. Well, we do say that it was like falling in love, where you meet a you meet a person, and it's like you have to be in in my life. And a lot that's of women a bit of in a their thirties, yeah, yeah. A lot of women in their thirties just go, you know what? I've got my circle of friends. I've got my posse. I have my people. I don't, you know, I like meeting new people, but I don't necessarily want to bring someone into the fold all the way in. Well, am I allowed to is also the thing. Yes. It's kind of like, well, these people have known me for so many years. You have a loyalty so is... to your older. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think for us it was just a non-negotiable. It was like we need to do something together. Um, so we... let's talk about that because you had you both um, different kind of careers and from what I mm-hmm. understand it was about four years ago that you kind of first connected and you both had um, blogs with huge followings, mm. like a good um, prospect of what, what could be possible for you individually yeah. uh, ahead of you. It's not like you were kind of rocking in the corner having nothing no, to do. No, And uh, so what what kind of brought you together? Well, we'd both be, we're both very creative people and I suppose our our backgrounds really complemented each other. So I'll focus on me and then I'll flip to you, Lee. So for me, I had originally gone to university and studied theatre for four years. I'd done honours. That's where I thought my life would would be. It would be in playwriting, acting, all that kind of stuff. And then I realised that people are often very poor when they they (laughs) do that. And I I thought, "Mm, no. And I went back to university and did... um, uh, and did journalism, did a graduate diploma in journalism and thought, right, I'll, I'll I'll do that. And then I was told that if I wanted to work in journalism, I'd have to move out to a regional area. This is after I'd graduated and my hex step was getting up there, let's be honest. And I'd just come from Bundaberg to move to Brisbane to go to uni. I thought, I'm not going anywhere regional again. I've just emerged from the regional hole. And um, and thought, right, well, that's it, and I'm going to work in PR. So like a lot of journalists do, I think there's only like 3% of jobs anyway. So I ended up working in PR for a decade and kept my uh, creative cup filled by doing commercials and dabbling in, in, in that as far as... The more creative The industries. more creative side of things. Mm. And then when I had my first daughter... I started writing and I started submitting articles to large websites and I got a bit of a following online that way and I, I really, really enjoyed it. And it was through through that basically that we had mutual friends who basically told us about each other. Yes. And, and that's I was, how I met Lee. I was technically on maternity leave as well and writing my own stuff and someone had said... Um, you you should read Sarah Will's stuff. And I did, and I was just laughing out loud, just going, this is 100% my sense of humour. This is so brilliantly written. Um, and then we basically silently stalked one another until it wasn't so silent anymore. Mm-hmm. And when we did meet face-to-face, because I just thought Sarah was from Melbourne for some unknown reason. It was just in my mind that she was in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And when we chatted online, we quickly realised that we lived about two streets away in Brisbane, good old Brizzy. Um, we were born in the same year, married in the same year. Both mothers-in-law are called Anne without the E. We both had the same fertility doctor. Both our husbands are social 
Socially backwards. Socially backwards. <laughs> Humans. Um, just it just so went many out, things our youngest ch- children are two days apart. Um, and then when I sort of told Sarah my life story as such, we just had so much in common. So, Lise, your background was you'd gone to university and done... I started journalism. Mm-hmm. So I sort of did it the other way around. Started journalism, then decided to have a gap year, then went back and did PR and then ended up living overseas for close to four four-ish years, modelling. So total deviation from anything, really. But during my time as a professional model, I took that really seriously because I was highly uninterested in being a human coat hanger, but it paid the bills. Um, And I just paid attention to all the peripheral jobs on set, the editors, the creative directors, um, the stylists, the... um, All of that really fascinated me, the people behind the cameras, That was my education in the creative industries and it was the best kind because it was, you're there, you're live, you're picking up who's who and what have you. So we both had a really good sense for what was entertaining in our eyes and how to produce Things, even though our technical, technical know-how thing, isn't no, there, but we but have our a, timings were good. Yes, and, and we're we, both very strong with written and verbal communication. Absolutely, so, that's been our biggest strength to date. Is we know how to put across a really good email. Yeah, <laughs> for soliciting the yeah. help or what, whatever. So, how important do you think that is in this day and age in a oh. whole range of different industries? Oh, very important, Huge. I think. We we got several things across the line by a having the um what's that word? You like gumption mm. to just send a cold email to somebody, but like just know where your grammar is meant to be, know how to structure sentences and get your point across oh, yeah. efficiently and effectively while still putting some personality into it. So I think we got far pretty quickly because of of that as well. And there's also a lot of bravery in having somebody by your side because we often say there were so many missed opportunities when we were in our 20s, you know, things that we just missed out on, whether it was major campaigns or feature films or what have you. And it was the timing of us coming together and giving each other the confidence to say, yes, we can do this together. We've both got those skills. Let's pool them. And nobody at that stage was representing what female friendship in for women in their 30s, 40s, beyond looked like. That happens with men all the time. And it's funny. It's like fun see, to be privy to it. It's wonderful. And we thought, well, you know what? We can do that. Like you know, there's Roy and HG, there's Hamish and Andy. You just, we loved being entertained by... Uh, Stories of genuine friendship. A couple of blokes. But where were the women represented mm. in that? So, and we also knew that when, where we started in Brisbane, uh, the landscape for MCs, so, you know, when you go to an event and there's a host... In Brizzy, the people who get those gigs are the the newsreaders, um, maybe the radio jocks. Mm-hmm. It's a very small Sporting pool people. of people who get those gigs. And we had been to a number of events as guests and um, we were just like, well, what, what if it was just us? Like, what about that yeah. as a concept? We don't need to have a profile to put on a really fun event and get people thinking outside the box and doing a bit more than chomping on a scone and sipping a, a tea. I yeah. think there was there was that that was really eating away at us as well. And, I mean, that, that was like a very big story to kind of get back to why when Lise had her daydream <laughs> about us holding two microphones, that instant reaction from me was like, yes, yes, let's do it. We just, it was a moment of clarity. Mm. And, and from then on, it just 
kind of... Well, that was our first ballsy move. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we put it out. So between our, our collective uh, following, we had several thousand people. Um, I don't know what it was, twelve or 13,000 or what have you. So we said, right, we're joining forces as an MC duo and, and Lee's actually <laughs> cold called a business when she saw they were putting on a Bachelor finale. We were diehard Bachelor fans and she rang up and said, hello, you've got no idea who I am, but I'm wondering if you've got MCs for your Bachelor event. And the timing was such that the lady who answered the phone said, it's funny, we're just about to go into a meeting to discuss that right now. Because I'd seen on social media that this particular venue were joining forces with Channel 10 and a popular publication, Glossy Mag, uh, and putting on this... um, Live, bachelor finale bachelor experience. finale live experience. They had the rights to broadcast the episode live. So Sarah and I were like, this is something, if we get this, clearly we won't get paid for it. That's a given. Yeah, we knew but we, if we, we weren't going to ask this, for Miller. And if we get our mugs photographed on a decent-looking stage with a Channel 10 logo in the background, mm-hmm. that's, that event is going to pay dividends as opposed to doing a school fate which is a great training ground. We've done a ton of those. And then we said no And to then them. we'll never do them again. <laughs> but we knew that that first event was critical to give us a bit of street cred and then to just fake it till you make it. My God, we yeah. were just And like... so because that first event was 200 women who were exactly like us, then word of mouth spread and slowly... Smaller events started started rolling, rolling in. in. We started getting paid for them, which was just like we can't believe it. We're getting paid to yeah. talk. This is this is amazing. I think our husbands wondered what the hell we were doing. Mine <laughs> in particular. Until they see the bank account and just that's go exactly go through. Hundred percent. Right. That's exactly right. Hundred percent. Yeah. So at this at all this time, I'd gone back to work and was still. Um, so I'd had my second mm-hmm. daughter had- when we when we just met. And I went back to uh, my job two days a week after a year and just knew that if Lise and I could take off, then, you know, the sky would be the limit. And I made a deal with my husband that once those two girls' earnings equaled that of my part-time wage and there was more forecasted income, then I would resign from that job. Well, I didn't actually resign. They gave me a year's leave. They were so flexible and wonderful. They gave me a year's leave. And I mean, I'd had a fight with my husband, several fights, because he has no digital footprint, had no clue what we were doing. He had no understanding of the traction that no. we knew we had. What was yeah, possible. and he's self-employed, yeah. so for him, he was very nervous to think of him being self-employed, me being self-employed, you know, man financially responsible. Boring, but sensible. <laughs> uh, that's why I married him. Um, and and yeah, within and that that happened within the space of yeah a year. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Within the space yeah. of a year. And that was a very sweet day. I think day. the funny thing is, is that the entire time we never once, and to this day, never once questioned our actual abilities in front of a microphone or in front of a crowd. That was that was details, details, details. <laughs> the hurdle for us was how do we get, um, how do we get seen as key players in this? How do how how do we get recognised as? not bloggers, because we never really had blogs, but how, how do you go from being nobody in the media landscape yeah. to all of a sudden somebody 
You know, and it's this this really we we've grappled with notions of acceptance or um, validation from you know people who have been in the old guard. You know, there's there's those those people in every city and and in every country that if you get validation from them, you've made it, and that's been a massive thing for us. Like, how do we actually? get past that. You can put us on any stage. We will do a great job. We've but don't you never think we once... got to a point where we were worried about that so much that then we just decided to put the blinkers on? Yes. Oh, and we, absolutely. And we very um, quickly decided to just, you know what, we can only worry about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We wanted to remove ourselves from anything that put us with the masses. Mm-hmm. So any kind of clients, um products that everyone else was, was doing. Touching. Like, you know what? That's just muddying the waters and the message to what we can be doing on our, with our company. I guess it's that imposter syndrome thing because a lot of women listening might be dealing with that. Like, you, you're just like, do I belong here? Am I good enough for this? But for us, the biggest thing has been a motto of who cares? Who cares? We're just going to do it. I, I actually have no fear of humiliation at this point. I think we've done so much where we could have frozen in our tracks from fear of being embarrassed at the outcome. Mm. You know, like how embarrassing if you put on an event and it doesn't sell. Thankfully, that's never happened to us. (laughs) But the possibility was 100% there. We had people saying, who are those two? Who are those two girls that think they can come up here and do this? We had people saying that to us. In fact, that's why Lise came up with our name when we're like, what are we going to call ourselves? And Lise said... You know, everyone's just going to be like, you know, those two girls. They'll never be able to say Lisa's name properly. <laughs> yes. They'll be like those two tall girls, you know, yeah. and and that's how those two girls came about. Came about. Initially, we were partners. We'd set ourselves up as individuals within a partnership. Yes. And then after a year, we moved to a company set up. So now we're both. Co-directors, co-directors of our company. Yeah. And that was a big decision because there's cost involved and there's like, well, what happens? There's all the what-ifs that can absolutely pull Snow the handbrake on what you're doing creatively or in an, any business situation. But we were like, we really believe in what y- your intention. So we were like, okay, if we do this as a company we better make shit happen because now we're a company and yeah. to dissolve a company is a nightmare. So... Now it's onwards and upwards. There's no slowing down. There's no not believing in what we're doing here. It's all we were firing on yeah. all cylinders because there is no option for no. us. No, and you know, um, in the beginning we'd been doing so many events for other people, and as Lee's touched on earlier, there's only so many high teas that you can go to, and we thought, you know, there's there's a, another gap in the market mm. here that we think we can fill by creating our own events. Uh, featuring a panel with interesting an interesting combination of personalities that didn't really wasn't really happening in Brisbane at that at that time, and so that first event sold out uh, two hundred and twenty tickets in twenty two hours, and we were gobsmacked. But it was such a lovely affirmation that we're on the right track. Mm. Then we did another one six weeks later, and that sold three hundred and thirty tickets in twenty hours. I think it was, and there was just this cry for more, more, more. And, and we, we gave had it a such break. a cracker of a time at those events. It was just us. Fun. Everything about it was just Sarah and I. We didn't script anything. 
Um, there was strategy with sponsors and the back end was very professional, but on stage it was just a celebration of our friendship and how we talk when we're with yep. people, you know, the questions that nobody wants to ask, that sort of thing. The third event was a corker. Yes, well, what we'd learnt from the second event and the first a little, the first event we we are we going all over the shop here? <laughs> Don't go for it. <laughs> we just this get is, so this passionate. Is what we do. It's exciting. <laughs> um, the first event we didn't do the maths, and we quickly realised we would be in the red. <laughs> $600 if we put the event on. We're like, oh, God, we better we have a mad scramble for sponsors. So we did and we came out plus $300 each, I think, from that first but event. But that was a win because it was a great PR and exercise. And it was Sold out event. And yep. we weren't in debt. And we the weren't. second event, we're like, right, we're going to need sponsors. So we got... a. Um, 15. Uh, was it 11? Or? 11 yeah. sponsors on board for the second event, which was a nightmare because a lot of them were small businesses who were committing their marketing budget to us. But it's much easier to work with large companies who don't need the handholding that small businesses do. So after that second event, we were like, right, we're never doing that again. <laughs> we're having a maximum of three sponsors per event. And then the third event we put on, we just got one major car dealership, luxury car dealership, and they sponsored the following two events. But the third event was the one where we were like, whoa, this is pretty big. And it sold 450 tickets in, in two, two and hours. And a half hours. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. It was mayhem. Yeah. It was mayhem. I think the, 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 the ticketing website crashed. And that's when our husbands started paying attention to what we were doing. Yeah. That was really the turning point because, I mean, obviously there's huge costs associated with producing an event of that um, calibre because we really put a lot into it and it's at a very high level of production. We had um, Mia Friedman, Zoe Foster-Blake and Sophie Keisha, who's a very, very popular... um, Instagram. Social influencer. Mm. And, yeah. and it was a cracker. That was really the turning point and when people, other people started paying attention in and, the media landscape. And we were really doing our maths then too. So even though we only made $300 <laughs> the first one, the second one, can we talk money? Yeah, yeah. totally. The it doesn't se- matter. Oh, what does it matter? The second one I think we made, I want to say about eight or 9000 Yeah, I think it was around then. The third one? 20? Yeah. 20K? 21 or something. And the yeah. fourth one was about, about that too. So we're like, okay. Which this is, is good. phenomenal for yeah. anyone who's ever, and I've, it we've is. put on events. Events are the, our, our metaphor. money sapper. Yeah. Well, our metaphor, it's a bit like um, sticking your head in the car door and slamming it uh-huh. like yes. 20 times over. Like it yeah. is a and, headache. It's yeah. huge and everyone wants their bit and yeah. just getting people in the room, getting your guests in the room, let alone sponsors, let alone actually making mm-hmm. a profit. And you, that's the thing, a, usually a events profit. for companies who put them on, you know you're doing them at a loss and it, it comes off as a PR exercise. The other thing I'll say to women um, or to those listening to this podcast is um, another thing that we're really proud of is that we've never put in a dollar of our own capital into this company. No. So everything, and I, the reason I say that is that from the get-go, we were just like, we've got to be so careful with how we spend money here. And, and if we, we also do got financial advice from the get-go. We knew yes. that that was our weakness or it was an area that we weren't familiar with as far as a business yeah. partnership and company goes. So we were very quick to find information from people who were smarter than us. <laughs> Um, and it's yeah. so important for women to talk about money and the finances, yes. particularly in a yes. business. And, and what you described at the start was yep. we're doing what we love. We're doing yep. what we're great at. We're, you know, creativity is, is what we want to And because it's not a tangible thing, um, 
you know, the, I think the best piece of advice we got was from John, yeah, yeah. who said, don't think of this in hourly rate. Don't think of this as, well, you're going to be out for three hours on a Saturday afternoon, the nanny's going to cost $80, you're going to have to charge, you, know, you know, don't do that. Charge it based on the worth you bring to that event. The so value. very much knowing your worth. The more you get profiled, the more um, you also get critiqued and, and criticism. I'm not sure that's been part of your experience. How have you kind of handled that? And I know you kind of touched on before, we've gotten to the point where we just cared less. Mm. <laughs> mm. But how, did that come easily? Has that been a process? Um, and even now, how do you kind of handle that critique or criticism that might, might come your way? I find that there's two critiques. I can t- take creative critique really well. If it's work-related and it's a content idea, that stuff, fire away. I think we're quite, we're getting really good at compartmentalising. If someone says, that's a crap idea, move on, that's fine. But I think it's when someone, when I feel like someone's critiquing my... Um, my values or what I stand for as a person, that I don't deal with so well. But the the, the creative stuff, we welcome it. We thrive on feedback and critique mm. professionally at work. We love those, what, what they're called, air checks. You know, after a radio show or after a week's worth of shows, our executive producer will sit in on a meeting with us, we'll go back through some talk breaks and he'll just have feedback, critique after critique, And we love that. Mm. I look forward to those. I think as far as if you're kind of referring to getting hate online or what have you, we haven't actually borne the brunt of that yet. And I say yet because I know we will at Mm. some point. That's just unfortunately how society is now. Um, I think we're both uh, considerate of what we put out energy-wise into the world on our social media platforms. Um, For me, I read something once and it's always stuck with me and now I kind of try to live by it. If they don't know you personally, don't Mm. take it personal. And that means, uh, that just really resonates with me because I think, you know... Sometimes when we've done fill-in shows for the Brecky team or what have you, you'll say, oh, for God's sake, I hate these two, get them off. And, you know, I'm like, that's cool. That's your opinion. But at the same time, I think, oh, I want to be friends with people in my actual real world who wrote stuff like that online. So I'm very, I feel like I'm able to disassociate between that. But um, ask me again when a time comes when I've, I've, got a whole stack of people coming after me for something that I've said, which kind of the other thing that I, I question, at some stage. Yeah. The other thing that I question is, just given our age, have have we maybe escaped that? I don't know. I just how feel... Won- can, how wonderful is it, though, that we have come into this now mm. at, well, 36 when we started on radio. On radio, And yeah. 37 now in this role. I thank God I feel like we've dodged a bullet rather than being in our 20s and starting... Because it would have been harder yeah. in your 20s. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, when I think you're you do rely you so much on what other people mm. think of you or what mark you're leaving in this world, whereas I and don't think And the thing is we have something... another life. We have a whole other life life aside from this. Like, as Sarah said, we our identities are not wrapped up in our jobs because we, before, you know, two years ago, three, four years ago, none of this existed. We were, we were no. you know, at home with our kids. We've had a whole, we've had a lifetime already of being Lees and being Sarah. And, you know, if that feedback comes online one day, I hope that we'll be able to close the laptop and go serve up dinner. 
to the family and just go, this is what's important. I don't know. Like, yeah. w- time will tell, but maybe, maybe we've dodged a bullet. Mm, I don't know. I don't, don't want to speak too early there. But I do think that the fact that we've got each other through yeah. all of that is very important as well because we often... Uh, you know, we'll bolster each other up and play devil's advocate with one another all the time. And Um, how important that is, even if you're not working alongside someone, but to Mm. have have those people in your corner who go, okay, this is the perspective. (laughs) This is actually you. Absolutely. This is what I know about you. Absolutely. And we've had advice from people in the industry who have just said, you know, stay off socials. If anything blows up, don't engage with it. It'll all blow over. You'll be yesterday's news tomorrow, you know. it's Yeah. Um, so I feel like we have to take the advice of people who've gone before and, um, yeah, take that into consideration, I suppose. I want to dive back into your friendship and, and obviously um, that was something that you, you found in your 30s and yeah. we touched on before. Often we think about, you know, kids need to find their friends when they're in their primary school and, yeah. mm. and even those really consolidating friendships when you're kind of 14, 15, 16, yeah. 18, early 20s that feel like lifetime friendships. Um but that this is this has kind of been created in your thirties, which I think is just a powerful. Um, I think that's what people get drawn to about both mm. of you. With that, uh, have there been any um, side effects of your friendship that have surprised you? Either. I mean, I think I think very early on we realised that no matter which way we look at it, we're monetizing our friendship. Yeah, that, that's just the reality of it. And from the get-go, the, the product that people are buying into is the banter, is the chemistry, is the friendship. So there needs to be an understanding and a, a, a consciousness about that from both of us. Yeah. And in the early days, God, how many hours a week would we spend oh, on the phone? Gosh. Easily four hours a day. Yes. Easily. It was constant. We couldn't get enough of each other and it was just ideas, 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 just this amazing, it was just like catching up, soul. catching up for 33, 34 years yes. of lost friendship by just like diarrhea, verbal and written diarrhea at each other <laughs> yes, nonstop. constantly. And we had to create rules, yes, didn't we? Yes, we did. We Even like, though we didn't feel like we weren't sick of each other, but we no. were like, you know what, we've got to slow this down. So what it's were like, your rules? <laughs> like no no texting or calling or social media after 5pm with yes. each other. Because, because family, it was too much? It was, well, no, it but because we were almost... At times when it was family dinner time, we'd be like, sorry, just got to... Um, <laughs> we were neglecting our families, <laughs> putting it bluntly. We were just so excited... At the possibilities. At the possibilities that we had to create Rain boundaries for yeah. ourselves and everyone so else. So weekends, I mean, we still talk, but we're getting so much better. Weekends are pretty much off, not off limits. They're Nothing's off, off limits. No. But uh, there's been a, a considerable slow down there. There yeah. needs to be that time apart. And now as well on air, when we're telling each other a story, it has to be a genuine reaction a lot of the time. Like sometimes we'll map it out before. Yeah. We'll have an idea of where it's going. But the best reactions are, are when the story is told cold to the other person, like you're having a chat with a friend over a coffee. Mm-hmm. You're not going to run her through it first, you know. Um, if I, I mean, if... if... <laughs> The, when we talk about how much we spoke, to an extent it still happens now. You know, whenever we finish work or we've been in meetings, I'll be like, I'll call you in the car. And I'll hear Liz go, OK. And then I'll just call her. And sometimes we'll just be driving in silence. But I just, <laughs> I just, I just know there. she's on the yeah. other end of the phone. Yeah, like so we've literally walked like, out of an like eight-hour day. It's like the boredom thing, like, hey... 
hey. <laughs> like I remember one time I was giving my executive producer a lift to his house because it's on, on the way to mine. And we got in the car and it was just like second nature. I almost forgot he was there. Hopped in the car, put my seatbelt on. The phone rings through the uh, through the car console and up on the, on the screen flashes Sarah Wills and he just looked at me and he's like, is Sarah actually... You, we've just come out of an eight-hour day. And I was like, what? This is normal. And he yeah. was like... And, and we were just like... On a three-way call. Yeah. <laughs> just having chats. I was like, hey, guys. And he was like, guys, this is weird. Yeah. I was like, is it, though? I love it. It's like, I need to be on my own, but with you. But with <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Just let me know you're breathing. You're good. <laughs> yeah. But now if we have ideas, instead of like, what do you think of this idea on a Saturday afternoon, we have created a separate thread on our uh, Facebook messages where we just chuck ideas up and okay. then we will... Debrief them. Debrief them. And, like a and Pinterest board yes. of content yeah. ideas or things on, to chat on Monday about. Or what have you, yeah. yeah. So, so that conversation of monetizing your friendship, mm. is that a constant conversation? Because I imagine that, like you said, well, not really, conscious. but we know that we got the radio show because it. You know, it works because there is a natural chemistry there that comes from genuine yes. friendship. There are a lot of shows where they get two people and they put them together and they hope that they work out and they get along. There's nothing manufactured about Sarah and I, and that's what the radio execs obviously saw uh, potential with, is nothing's forced. We have we will talk about the stuff that we're talking on air in our cars to, to each <laughs> yes. other, whether Australia is listening or not. So it's almost like I hope that the radio show is almost an eavesdropping sort of fly-on-the-wall experience for listeners because this is the stuff we actually talk about and this is how we speak to one another. There's no... They don't have to deal with egos about who gets along with who and who no. can't stand who and be careful... Don't, None of that. We come into this holding hands going, we're ready for whatever you throw at us. So yeah. I imagine that for them that's a And a we're rare, very good at segmenting thing. professional from personal. So we can be workshopping an idea together and we're very good now at being like, nah, nah, hate it. <laughs> and the other one will be like, Stuff oh, you. come on, like that's a really good <laughs> idea. But we'll get – but it's fine. It's a yeah. professional conversation. It's not – I don't walk out of there thinking, yeah. oh, God, Lise hates my ideas. We're done. <laughs> because being creative is is putting yourself on the line all the time. Like it's your ideas. I mean, for me, my creative ideas are who I am. So if someone doesn't like them, you've got to find a way to deal with that. So it's And we do that every single day. Every day you're putting an idea. What if we use this word instead? What if we use that audio grab or, no, nah, shit. Yeah, as <laughs> so I get okay, moving on or whatever. And or which ones I'm going to fight for? And which go, no, ones? It's not are, shit. That's yeah. right. Which ones do you fight for? So it's a really interesting. Pro- I, I love that process. I think yeah. it's very challenging. And like we did a thing the other day on the radio. <laughs> we were just asking people to call in if they were itchy, and <laughs> and our producers were like, "You've done what?" And then people called through and were like, "I'm so itchy." Because I thought I had nits. Um, yeah. Being the mother of two boys, I was scratching at the ba- at, like you know, on my neck, around the hairline, and I said to Sarah, look, just check me for nits. And, of course, people are uncomfortable with that anyway because we are very physically close that way. So Sarah's going through like a primate on my head, <laughs> checking me. <laughs> and then, obviously, I didn't have nits, but we were like, let's do this on air. And it's just one of those, it's like Pavlov's dog, right? You talk about nits, everyone starts scratching. Yeah. So, like, let's yeah. try, <laughs> let's try it on radio. Now. Let's break all 
all of the radio rules. We've only been on air for like (laughs) 24 months. Let's give it a crack. And it went off. But our our executive producer was like, the number of times I shake my head and go, Jesus Christ, when I listen to your show. (laughs) And that excites us. We're like, okay, Okay, we're doing our job. Because we're doing the stuff that we think is funny and the stuff that resonates with us. And we've always thought that if we think something is funny, then there'll be a hell of a lot of other women and men out there who think it's funny as well. Yeah. And that stood us in good stead so far. (laughs) But yet, when you said the physical thing, we are very physical. (laughs) Me with you more than vice versa. I think you don't like to be touched. Lee's is kind of like that that meme where someone's crying and she's just like touching them with a broom handle. (laughs) That's kind of like But sometimes I realised I reached over mid-show and just patted you today on your back. That was nice. I enjoyed that. (laughs) It made me slightly uncomfortable, but I'm getting better. (laughs) But it is. Sometimes I'll just have my hand on Lee's thigh like we're a couple. But it's like you're an extension. She's like an extension of my body. Do you feel the same way about me? You never touch my thigh. If you could just get that in before Friday. Yeah. I think we just need to consolidate this friendship before it goes on But the I think rocks. a lot of women resonate with that, right? Like with your, with your best friends, mm. nothing's really off limit. I mean, I have a freckle on my right buttock cheek. That needs checking because my doctor thinks, you know, it's a risky freckle. Yeah. And he wants it checked every week, which we haven't done, Sarah. And he's no. like, you need someone in your life that can check it regularly. And I was like, if I get my husband to check it, he'll hit me up for sex. So that's a no. I'll get Sarah to check it. Well, you never know with me. Watch out. We do joke, oh, about, we do joke about being elderly companions together. Yeah. We're like, well, when our husbands have dropped off the perch... <laughs> We'll just shack up together and oh. go to Miller's and for me, Michelle's patisserie. Bring out the coffee flag and in that space. Yes. It's just awesome. You know what was something that we always, that um, with our humour and what we wanted to put out there, we were so bored yeah. with the wine o'clock thing with mums. <laughs> You know, like the whole, oh, it's wine o'clock. Oh, let's have that a drink. That said, we do to like cope, to have a drink. To cope with <laughs> our life. We just felt like those jokes were so mm. done and dusted and so just mm. like, oh, oh. Yeah, I think I think I think women when they become mothers, when they they're in that sort of school mum zone, which we both firmly are in that, mm. FYI, but. There, there, there is humour associated with women in their mid thirties, early forties, and it's like you have to subscribe to that. It's like wearing Lorna Jane. You must subscribe. You must wear that and you must say, thank God it's Friday, one o'clock. o'clock. It's like you, you must and say that. And if you that. can combine the two, Lorna Jane, with your one o'clock. Correct. Yeah, you must say that or you are not part of the club. We don't want to be part of that club. No. Like it's fun for a bit but then it gets yep. old no, and yeah, there's more yeah. to humour and there's more to things that make women tick that aren't so... Obvious. Obvious. Yeah, obvious. <laughs> what are the what are the human stories do you think we need to be elevating or having more of? Like and and I guess how important is humor? Oh, so important. Oh, I think yeah. if you if you can laugh at yourself, nobody else can laugh. It, it can't hurt when anybody else laughs mm. at you. And I think that's one of the things that we both have in common is we're very self-deprecating. We can take the Mickey out of ourselves and Better each other <laughs> to the nth degree. And there is a real power in being able to laugh at yourself. And I it's, there's 100% a difference between putting because women are very good at putting themselves, mm. throwing themselves. There's a very. Well, I was going to ask you, like, yeah. is there a, is there anywhere you would be is a no go zone around self deprecating? Like, because I think it can be seen as a bit of a oh poor me a cop out. Yeah. yeah, I think we never we're never self deprecating about our talents. That's. That that's because we're not. We don't need to do that. We know no. we know what we're good at, and we'll we'll fly that flag uh, proudly. But you know, our 
I don't know, what do we make fun of? Oh, sex life, like <laughs> pretending to be asleep when your husband <laughs> enters the room and... Um, oh, Sa- Sa- our, Sarah's my hair. I mean, at the fashion. moment, it looks like Princess Diana. Let's just be honest. It does. It's coming it? back. It's coming back. I'm growing it back and I'm, I'm in firmly 80s shag at the moment and I'm not happy about it. But I think that being able to... Yeah, like well, I always pitch Lees as the cool one. I think people know it's actually me, but um, <laughs> anyway. I think we have. There's a lot of <laughs> we there's play some contrasting roles. differences. Sarah's very conservative when it comes to um, <laughs> general life. General life, like just just very conservative. I'm a lot more liberal, but at the end of the day, our values are identical. So we have a lot of fun there. Like, you like know, we when had I... a fight about <laughs> accepting free drinks at bars when we were in our twenties. I mean, I got so many free drinks, Ali, but but I had no problem with that because what I did was if a gentleman asked if he could buy me a drink, I would be like, sure, and I'd have a conversation with them. I was not one of those girls who would accept the free drink and bail. I'd be like, right, let's have a chat, and I'd do that. Would it lead to more? Absolutely not. But Sarah she, thinks we, we that. We were like, Lisa's like a slot machine where it's like, right, that drink's done, four minutes is up, another one on oh, the table. Gosh. But Sarah was like, Sarah was the girl at the bar where guys would walk up and go, smile, love. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was I, me. That was free, totally I got free drinks as well, but I'd say, oh, no, I'm okay. She turned them down. I might spike it. What a freak. <laughs> <laughs> You're obviously both um, pretty driven from a career kind of perspective. Never until working with Lee. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Right. That is true. I never had any desire when I was working in PR <laughs> to be a manager, to be a director, nothing. Could think of nothing worse than managing people. So what's different? Well, the difference is it's all me and Lee's as a team together. We don't have to worry about anyone else but ourselves. I think a lot of the time, Ali, it does feel like everything Sarah and I did independently before meeting one another has led us to this moment. And that sounds very dramatic and Sarah's about to cry, but it really does think, like, when I think of all the gigs, all the little opportunities I had, the the near misses, the close calls, the skills acquired along the way, none of it really made sense on my own. I was like, okay, I'm good at this. I can speak in in front of a camera. I can speak in front of people. um, I can write. Where is this going? I had so many questions of... You know, I remember saying to my parents as a teenager, I just want to do things where, you know, I have ideas and people listen and then make stuff happen. That's not a job description, Lise, that said. Like, what is that? I was like, I don't know. I don't know yet. I'll figure it out when I'm 36. But then it sort of felt like all those little um, skill, the accumulation of life experience and skill sets and then meeting Sarah, meeting one another, it was like, okay, this is it. And this is it. This is the result of that. This is it. This is it. (laughs) But it really is. Yeah. It really is. You know, everything where, where, where Sarah's skills exceed mine in one area, mine will... We just complement each other so well and the combination is magic. And that sounds up ourselves, but people in our sphere will say the same thing. There's just something about it. We're stronger together. And, and remember, Jack Johnson, <laughs> better when we're together. <laughs> remember Can when we were starting? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, okay, God. Right. Let's listen to Jack Johnson. <laughs> Coming back. Um, remember when we were starting to form as a duo? Yeah. The number of close oh, yeah. friends and good business yes. minds yeah, that's right. had said to us, girls, you're crazy. Just maintain your individual profiles, grow that, do not 
like they said, grow, join as a duo, do that, but maintain your individual sites, mm. social mm. media accounts, do all of that. Don't dump it all and just become those two girls. What did we do? <laughs> we dumped it all and just became those because two girls. Because it always felt right to us and I suppose... For people listening, that gut instinct and intuition has played always played mm. such a huge role in our decision-making and we have always subscribed to the three-second rule. So ask yourself a question, your gut will answer it in three seconds. And that has stood us in very, very, yeah. very good stead. We've said no to more things we've said yes to and we are okay about that because it's felt like it was the right decision. And that's Especially hard. in the early stages yeah. of a business when you just want to say yes to everything. Because you want to make a buck. Mm-hmm. And get your brand or your name out there. But that gets tiring very quickly. So you really have to tune in to when things start feeling wrong and change direction, I think. Mm. And it's a muscle to flex. The more you practice that three-second rule across the board, the easier it gets to tap into that that feeling or that voice that is like, I know the answer to this. What do you think? And we it, we all make, almost make a game out of it. Like one, two, three, what are you thinking? Okay, it's a no. Or okay, yes, I do want to do this. Or yeah, it's hard to turn things down sometimes, but it has. It's paid off. Yeah. It's paid off. Yeah. Um, I hope it continues to I know. do so. <laughs> but that's yeah, a good one. Sometimes it seems a bit ridiculous to be doing these things when we've had this show for oh, two months. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> hopefully we'll land on our feet. But we're always forward thinking about the direction that we want our those two girls' company to Yeah, have you got some ideas about growing what's as well? Next? Yeah, we still want to do our own events. Uh, there will be another one that we do this year. We've Definitely. got the format down. We just need to lock in lock in a date. You know, we have... We have to diversify. In radio, mm. everybody knows, even if you're not in the radio industry, you've heard it before, you've seen the tabloids, people get hired and fired in the matter of half a day. And maturity on our side, we understand that even though we're having a cracking good time and people love to work with us... It might be gone next month. So it's critical that we diversify and let people know of our other skills. So, you know, even when clients come in to um, jam about ideas, you know, for, for the radio, <laughs> for advertising. Oh, you know, I was trying to use the lingo. Um, <laughs> we want to be in those. We don't just want to be the talent behind the mic. We want to be, we wanna be like, you know what, we've got yeah. a ton of ideas. Yeah. We'll jump in on that meeting. Yeah. Um, so things like that, just getting known for our writing, yeah. for our um, idea, ideation, the word that Sarah hates the most, <laughs> but is a word, uh, <laughs> production, um, TV. Yeah. TV, something yeah. along those lines. Is it, yeah, is that still kind of an avenue from a... Well, it's not at the moment. <laughs> no. <laughs> We've met with a couple of would networks. You, would you like to be on TV? Is it, well, we met... Should we talk about corporate strokes? Oh, we, we met with, um, with some networks last year and... But we had zero the, profile. Zero. We still kind of have zero, zero. profile. <laughs> and we met with a fellow of a leading production company who headed up shows in development and our manager had set us along to introduce ourselves as potential new presenters, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, it was our first meeting. We had three lined up and for whatever reason, I start having <laughs> um, conversations, in, you know, internal monologues 
while important meetings are happening and my brain starts to go off, like, how did I even get here? How is this possible? Gosh, just five, six short years ago, like a I, retrospective. Was, I, was, it's you know, I was probably putting a baby, in baby in a bumbo and now <laughs> here I am meeting with the head of, you know, Endemol production or whatever it was. But while this is happening, Ali, I'm here being like a joker, da, 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 because I'm like, okay, she's gone, she's almost on the verge of tears, we're rooted now, and here she is just like deadpan talking to the director of a production company going, we're very light-hearted, we like to have a laugh. Very funny. We're very funny, and very. I'm like, you look like you're about to die, Sarah. Perk up, girlfriend. And so then Lise picks up the slack and is like a dancing buffoon beside me while I'm... Overcompensating to my heart's content. It does look like I'm having some kind of... <laughs> Transient. You're almost writing yeah, your own eulogy. It yes, really is. It kind of is. And she can't. I start hearing violins. Yes. I'm like, this is amazing. And then it happened then, last then week. Then she goes into like, who would play me in a movie? <laughs> <laughs> That's where it goes. I can see it on her face. And there's nothing I can do to snap her out of it. So I need happened? like a cattle the... prod. <laughs> nothing. Time. We walked out of there and Lee's like, what the hell happened to you in there? I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. It just hit me that what we were doing and, and those moments. The enormity of it. We don't take it for granted. So the enormity of how different our life is in such a short period of time just kind of (laughs) hits me at very inopportune moments. (laughs) We have to work on that. That's right. Yeah. It happened last week. We met Kate Langbrook. Yeah. uh, Who's on the Drive show on the Hit Network. And... And she was talking to us, asking us how we met and what have you. And then I just like I was like, get me the details. She's gone. Here we go again. Eyes just glaze over, (laughs) and I look at Lee's, and I can see it's like it's happening in slow mo. And she's like, "Well, we met four years ago," and her arms and and even eyes are going wildly. And even Kate, God bless her, at one point said, "You know, after after Sarah had come out of her reverie, (laughs) and we were both in stitches at how awkward the entire exchange with Kate was." Kate ended up walking up behind us and said, what are you two in fits of laughter about? And I said, oh, well, didn't you notice that old bugalugs here was having some sort of episode while she was talking to you? And she said, yes, I did think she was rather socially awkward. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was like, yeah, no, you don't say. No, (laughs) Even though you're not socially awkward at all. No, then I think I ended up yelling at her, I'm not socially awkward, (laughs) which was another good move on my behalf. In amongst the busyness, how do you um, look after your yourself in terms of your own energy? Um, and I get now sleep-wise, that's oh kind God. of shifted and changed. But are there kind of, um, for want of a better word, non-negotiables, mm. like things that you go, I can see myself energy-wise, humour-wise, <laughs> starting to go downhill. What? How do you pull yourself back out of that? We don't drink a lot. No, Like on we a practical don't. level during the week. Um, for me, there's no drinking, no. but that's not a hard and fast rule. But I just know because we're up at, at the moment with daylight savings, we're up at 2.30 in the morning. So mm. that's pretty much the middle of the night. So if I'm having a drink at 7pm, that's not going to look good. Mm. I know even one glass of wine and my sleep will be And I'm not somebody different. who's ever relaxed with a glass of wine either. Like it, going having a, a wine isn't my default Relaxation. Kind of relaxation. Um, for me, getting out and going for some kind of exercise. Mm-hmm. I love a walk or a jog. I feel and listening to a podcast, mm-hmm. listening to other people speak. Because yes. what you realise too is when we are, you know, our business is our friendship. We have each other to talk to about all of the things that are going on in our life. But sometimes you have to rein it back in because your family and friends don't want to hear about what you're doing at work all the time. 
either. As my mother once told me, Sarah, just be aware of yourself. I'm not going to be some kind of sycophant to your lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) Just remember not to talk about yourself all the time. So I think that that is to get out of your own head, to get out of that and listen to other people's stories, listen to other voices, other podcasts. We do talk to other friends out out of your day to day work because Lise and I are so all consuming with each other. Also touching base with other friends and. Because um, I feel like I get my social feel from you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So sometimes even getting out on a weekend, I'm like, nah, I've been out all week <laughs> with a friend. I've been yeah. working. But <laughs> it's different. It's different, yeah. I think, yeah, exercise, we try and do Pilates most days, Monday to Friday. We sometimes do that together, mm. which is never very... No. Um, I mean, we end up just in fits of laughter well, we when they ask kicking us to each do. Other moves what the was other the move? Starfish. starfish. Everyone get into the starfish. There oh. was like, I'm very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and then the teacher's just like, oh god, these two are here again. I did Pilates by myself this morning, Sarah. I was very good. Were you? I think that's something to be said with solo Pilates. Oh, I'm disappointed. Pilates. I didn't get to see your little pointy bum this morning. But. <laughs> no, definitely. I mean, because we're done with work at six a.m., which is ridiculous when you think about it. There's really no excuse. Not saying it's heinous most mornings, it's the last thing, but once it's done, then we can just go home and collapse in a Mm. heap. Some days we'll we'll just get off social social media. When we first started, we were like, what are Facebook's algorithms? How many times a day do we need to be posting to be getting our stuff seen by people? And then you're like, Facebook changes all the time. You've got no idea what you're doing. Just post when you want to post. So we're we're much less hardcore on social yep, media so now. And I kind of figure if people want to hear what I'm doing, then just listen 5 to 6 a.m. weekdays across <laughs> Australia. Um, and then we do practical things. Like we're kind of like sister wives. So we bulk cook our food. Yeah. <laughs> and one once a week we'll swap a meal, which doesn't make sense to my mother I have today. She's like, so talk me through this. You double batch, but then you give one to Sarah. She's like, wouldn't it just be simpler if you just kept it in your freezer? Wait, who's saying that? Mum. Oh, and I was like, no. And, and then mum was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, it's about variety, is it? Yes, yes it is, mum. Variety is the spice of life. And Sarah's Mongolian beef is... <laughs> and Very it makes good. You feel like you haven't and, actually and cooked my, that meal. My, and my <laughs> kids eat Lisa's spag bowl, which is a win. So yeah. I think we are we like... just onto one meal rotation now? I just give you Mongolian beef once <laughs> yeah. a week. You give me spag bowl with yeah. your secret sweet potato through it, and it's a win. <laughs> and Sarah, I feel it's a like secret there's a side hustle coming here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but little things that. like that, because I think at the core we still are kind of traditional wives and mothers, like we do sort of, you know, I certainly prescribe to, I like to have a tidy house. I like to have food organised. I like, I have a spreadsheet of meals for the week. Um, Sometimes, you know, ignore it. (laughs) Um, The kids' lunch boxes are done the night before. I I need, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's it's sad. Mm. (laughs) I need to know that I've done my part because I'm out, I'm out the door in the middle of the night and now I'm not there in the mornings. There is, you know, a little bit... I've kicked the mum guilt to the curb now that the kids are older. Yeah. But it's just part of my routine. I need to know that that's done and then stuff you <laughs> for the actually, rest of the week. That's why this you. particular shift is so good because our youngest kids are four and they'll both be starting prep next year. Uh, a couple of years ago, Lise and I had said, right, we will do this part-time until the little Lise are at school, then we will ramp this up to a full-time gig. Mm. It's all happened about a year earlier, earlier than we expected. But with this shift, because we are essentially home by 7 o'clock most mornings, from the kids' perspectives, I, I feel like my kids feel like I'm more present. Mm. because I'm, they're not in after-school care in the afternoon like my eldest was a couple of days a week mm-hmm. when we had to 
do normal work hours and then work a Saturday. So that took out all weekend activities as far as, you yeah, know. it's a brilliant shift. It's a brilliant shift. Most Everyone's people... always like, you must be so tired. It's like, well, no, we put ourselves to bed like toddlers and it actually works in our lives. For our life stage. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and yeah, so we prioritise sleep. Like it's a 7.30 bedtime and that's appalling to most people but if we don't get sleep, nothing works. No yeah. creativity, you're down in the doldrums. Um, yeah, I think it's just a healthy life, healthy blanket lifestyle. Yeah. Just keep it pretty clean. Um, and we our don't husbands attend. are good. It's all even Stevens as yes, far as... Yes, very lucky. Chipping, chipping in... Just getting the job done. Yep. Well, it's a team approach, so yeah. And no unnecessary social outings unless we're really drawn. That's true. To something, we don't go out on weeknights. Not worth it unless it's for a work purpose. Okay. We're not interested in going to fashion events in shopping centres or <laughs> movie previews or anything like that because that comes at the compromise of our sleep and and our families. Yeah. So it's got to be really worth it. Really worth it. Like if someone wants to give us Valentino shoes. <laughs> <laughs> at a fashion event in a shopping centre, then maybe yeah. we'll consider kicking off our masseurs. And we're not we're not apologetic <laughs> about that. 6 PM. Yeah. yeah, and we're not apologetic about that either because it's like not not interested. Well, again, because it's not about profile, it's not about ego for us. Like no. we'd rather be fresh, ready to fire on all cylinders on air because that is our job. That yeah. is who we are. That's what we pride ourselves on. Not being photographed for the social pages. For the social pages. But I think it's refreshing to actually make that. A, and it is a conscious decision to kind of go. No, this is what this is what matters, and yeah. it allows us to do our our trade yes. exceptionally yeah. well. Um, and so we're not compromising that because some people go, "Great, I'm on radio. I'm going to leverage that and go to everything because that's perhaps important to them for reasons mm. that obviously aren't, aren't, no. aren't our reasons." And I respect that. If you're a social butterfly and you love that, great. But we're not. No. We're just not. We're, we'd much. It's heads down, bums up, until this radio thing. And to be honest, I am so talked out by six pm at night. <laughs> I don't want to talk to anybody, which probably works well for my husband. Yeah. <laughs> this is the phone it's call just, to Lisa. Yeah. Just but silent. he understands too. He'll be like, "Well, this is eleven pm for you. Yeah. So it's only an hour till bedtime. Then you'll be right. <laughs> You're right." I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's yes. good. So that's how we kind of, again, another very long-winded answer <laughs> oh, to talk about Poor how Ali. we How are you going to edit to this? No, 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 it's no editing. This is the sitting on the couch. Ener- <laughs> Energy <laughs> and mental health space and what have you, I suppose, yeah. I am going to wrap up, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, Otherwise it could be 7 o'clock and we won't know. Yeah. You'll need to be in bed. Um but the name of this podcast is called Standout Life. Mm. So if I were to offer that term up to you, what does it mean to you to live a standout life? Oh. I think you've got it. I mean, it's so naff. But you've you, there's a dream inside everyone because I had it as a young girl and I didn't have a name for it, which is what I was explaining earlier. But, you know, you, you can make, if you have a vision, you have a clear dream of what you think you can be, you've got to chase it. Who cares what everyone thinks? Like, you you only get the one life. Do I care if Jasmine down the road thinks I'm a tool? No, I don't. That's she, a standout life. <laughs> does she think you're a tool? <laughs> <laughs> but that's a standout life for me. It's like you've, you've mm. only got the one. What do I want my boys to remember me for? For having a crack, for mm. just going, I'm not the best at this. 
but I'm going to chase it down if it's the last thing I do, right? Yeah, I think so. I think if there's an opportunity that comes your way and you want to take it, then really look at what the worst thing that can happen is. Because sometimes I think we operate in a place of fear of failure and thinking, oh, God, but what if? What What if? if And and I went through that Mm. uh, with launching across to those two girls Mm -hmm. purely. And I realised, well, if the worst thing that happens is that I just go back to working in PR, then hello. But you can't, you won't have this chance again. That's not the worst thing in life. Mm. Am I going to kill someone? Am I going to hurt someone? No. And if you can back yourself and have a, you know, what's a safety net? Yes. If you fall, then... I think the world's your your oyster and you just have to take a chance sometimes, as naff as it sounds. Yeah. We and took a chance it's, it's, on each other and it has it, paid off tenfold. It's paying attention early on to what are those things that make you sing. What are those little things, you know, as a child? If you go back, what were you good at as a child? What did you have fun, the most fun doing as a child? I still remember it. Making up songs, changing lyrics to songs, doing Mm. dances. I'm a terrible dancer, but uh, definitely a performance element. Then, you know, in in high school, I was a really good public speaker, right? Like if if you look at all of those little things that made you sing, and see if you can build something off of that because I think that's that's how, what I would advise my kids or mm. people coming up through the ranks and wanting to break out into side hustles. Really look, examine your life so far and what are the things that make you the happiest, plain and simple. Yeah. If you can make a living out of it, yeah. God, you want And we the lucky set our ones. intention early on too, which if I recall was to earn a living making people laugh while being, being ourselves. ourselves. And we based a lot of decisions on that and in doing so that's helping us live our standout life. Yeah. Writing an intention. That paid off. It really did. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's like the anchor to come back to. <laughs> it yeah, is an anchor. It is because we thought, well, we're the ones who decide what that living is. It's not like we're saying earn two million dollars no, a but year. We knew that we we it's important to us that this earns us a crust. Yes, we couldn't do it for free. Don't the, it, doing it for free was not an uh, option. An option. No. No, because we value ourselves. We knew we can make money out of this. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a wonderful anchor. I love that you use that word because it is when we when jobs come in and we go, does this fit? our intention. And it's an intention that, what, when did we set that? Three years ago? Yeah, I think so. Maybe, yeah, maybe not quite. In Sydney, when we looked up <laughs> and saw a building that said TTG 80. Which is the not year even we're kidding, born in. The year we're born. We're like, okay, that's weird. And, and we just stopped in our tracks and went, we have to set the intention now. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. No, this we is just the said it. Or then we, we looked up said and it? it said TTG 80. Yes, confirmation. Yes. God, we sound very woo-woo. I promise we're not. But there has been a little bit of that Mm. at times, putting stuff out to the universe and kind of trying to manifest shit. That's not the official word. (laughs) (laughs) Well, may the stars continue to align. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank Thank you. you. It's been such a delight. Thanks, Sally. (laughs) If you've enjoyed today's episode, then there's every chance that you might also enjoy reading a copy of my book, called Stand Out, a real world guide to get clear, find purpose and become the boss of busy. You can grab a copy by heading to my website, www.alisonhill.com.au. 
If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd love it if you could take a few moments, pop over to iTunes and give this podcast a quick rating so that we can continue to share these conversations with people around the world. As always, I'm Ali Hill and this is Standout Life.